Welcome to Paul's podcast. Here you can listen to our weekly sermons from Crossroads Baptist Church. This is a ministry devoted to studying the word, obeying the word and teaching the word. Here's this week's message. In a lot of the action movies I've seen, and I've definitely watched too many action movies in my life, but in a lot of the action movies I've seen, there's often like some kind of kidnapping and the dialogue between the bad guys and the good guys in that movie usually goes something like this. The bad guys are like, hey, we have your loved one. Uh, you know, give us a huge amount of money or else. And the good guys are like, okay, okay, all right. But first, I want proof that they're alive. Okay. So the bad guys, they have to wheel out the victim. And they kind of show them. Do you know what I'm talking about? They, they bring the victim out. They usually like got tape over their mouth or something. They wheel out the victim. They're like, look. They're still alive. Uh, you know, now where's our dosh? Where, where's the payoff? Right. And what the bad guys are doing here in these movies, they're using that person's life uh, to prove that what they are saying is true. Yeah, we, we haven't taken your uh, loved one out yet. You give us the money and uh, we'll return them to you unharmed. Okay. And it's, it's bringing out that person's life. Is th- that life is proof uh, that what they're saying in the hostage negotiations is true. Now, Paul really does the same for us in today's passage, Uh, not the kidnapping bit. I have to make that clear. I'm not saying Paul kidnapped anyone. Uh, What he does uh, that's the same in our passage today is that he uses his own life as proof that what he is saying is true. Now, this is our second run at this passage, and I want us to cover a lot of the autobiographical information that he has here. So there's a a couple of key things he talks about, uh, real key moments in his life, and it's really important for us uh, to understand those. Uh, He shares a lot between Galatians 1.10 and 24, and we will see uh, that he uses these events in his own life as proof that what he is saying to the Galatians in particular about his apostleship, about his uh, gospel, he uses these events in his own life um, as proof that those things are true. I wonder if we could ever do that with our lives, if we would be able to put forward our lives as the evidence that demonstrates the gospel of Jesus Christ is true. So today, I want you to hold on to your hats today. We're going to zoom through some of these key moments in Paul's life. Uh, Firstly, a quick reminder of the context of this passage, okay? We know from our study of the context at the start of chapter 1, these false teachers, you know, the the Judaizers, uh, they were challenging Paul and his gospel. Every time he set up a church and moved on, these uh, Judaizers would sneak in, uh, infiltrate and start teaching some of those dodgy doctrines. Uh, we we uh, know he was uh, under attack. He really has to defend himself. Uh, I expect very strongly they were calling him a liar. So, you know, what, what you're saying just isn't true. Uh, they'll be saying he wasn't even around when Jesus was around. Uh, they'll be saying he's not a true apostle. Okay? He, he's not like the other guys. You know, like Peter was there, right? He, he was with Jesus and he saw him. And those other guys, Paul's not even a true apostle. He can't be trusted. Uh, he's preaching a false gospel, and he's preaching a lawless gospel. And remember, Paul's big concern was not only that this was happening again, but that the Galatians were starting to fall for it. They were starting to believe uh, the bad doctrine that they were being taught. So some things we see uh, from Paul 
in this uh, kind of short autobiography of him. Uh, firstly, is his commitment. And we really see that for us in verse 10. Have Galatians 1 open with you if you can. Have a look at verse 10 now, where Paul writes, For I do not persuade men, sorry, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Now, Jews who were converted to Christ, they really endured persecution. They were often kicked out of the synagogues. And these Judaizers would come along to preach another gospel. And that gospel taught it was Jesus plus works. They were teaching uh, Jesus plus the law of Moses. They were saying, you know, you can believe in Jesus and the resurrection, and that's cool. You, you just need to believe in the law of Moses as well. And it would be very, very easy, and it would be a great relief uh, for Paul and for the other Jewish converts uh, to accept this other gospel uh, as a compromise. Uh, because that, that would alleviate a lot of the persecution in their life. It would alleviate a lot of the stress they were under. They would not be despised and persecuted by others for their faith if they would just compromise and say, yeah, okay, Jesus and Moses, let, let's do both. If they would just compromise, but not Paul. Uh, he was not willing to compromise. He's not striving for the approval of men, uh, but of God. He says, you cannot be a pleaser of men and the servant of Christ. Uh, this man was not willing to compromise just to avoid trouble. So we really see his commitment stands out, but also his commission have a look at verse 11. He says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, we see here that Paul states his case that the gospel he preached did not come from man. But it came directly from Jesus Christ. Um, we spent a lot of time last week looking at the detail of that. Now, ordinary ministers, they are called and educated uh, by other men, but not apostles. Okay? They are special. Apostles are called and taught directly uh, by Jesus Christ himself. And this is really what Paul is saying here about his commission, that he is special, that this uh, great commission that's been revealed to him was revealed directly uh, by Jesus Christ. And he goes on to follow this statement up uh, with some evidence for his claim that we're going to have a look at now. His conversion. Uh, keep following verses 13 and 14. He says, for you have heard... Sorry, his conversation, forgive me. Uh, his conversation in 13, he says, for ye have heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion. Uh, this is before. This is how I lived my life before. Uh, beyond measure... I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. What he's explaining here from his life is that nobody was more zealous of the law and of the traditions than Paul was. He persecuted the church and wasted the church. And that word wasted, that means he brought destruction to the church. Uh, probably most tragically, we see that evidence in Acts 8. You remember what happened to Stephen? 
Um, they, they threw stones at him till he was dead uh, for confessing the name of Jesus Christ. And we know Paul wasn't just there attending. It says he was consenting unto his death. So he wasn't just there attending. He agreed with it, that means. He took pleasure in it, that means. Paul was promoted more than his Jewish contemporaries. He was more zealous of the traditions than his contemporaries. When it came to following Jesus Christ, Paul wasn't just going in the opposite direction. He was going in the opposite direction at 100 miles an hour. But then, as we know, something went down on that road to Damascus, didn't it? Something happened on that journey uh, that changed everything. Uh, verse 15 and the start of 16, uh, these tell us about his call. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Paul says how God separated him uh, from his mother's womb. Uh, God called him by his grace. God called him to reveal his son, and he called him to preach to the heathen. Okay. All along, right back when, before he was even born, all along, God had a different plan in mind for this Saul of Tarsus. God was not going to let him spend his life fighting against the church. He was not going to spend his life fighting for religious works. He was not going to continue going 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction. And then we come to his conferring. So when Paul was called, what did he immediately do after that? What verse 16 and 17 tell us. He writes, immediately, I conferred not with flesh and blood. So I didn't confer and consult with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. So he didn't confer with flesh and blood. He didn't confer with man. He didn't go and hang out and confer and discuss with the other apostles. Uh, instead, he went into Arabia and then later returned again unto Damascus. So here's the question. If Paul uh, conferred not with flesh and blood, uh, that means he did not receive his education in the gospel and in the mystery of the church from other men. So if he didn't receive it from flesh and blood, if he didn't receive it from man, well then, who did he receive it from? Yeah, he went to Arabia uh, for three years. The Bible doesn't tell us much about what happens in those three years, except we know that it's the same amount of time that Jesus spent discipling the other apostles. Remember Jesus' earthly missionary? Three years he had with the other apostles. We talked about not believing in coincidences. It's a big coincidence, right? Three years with the Apostle Paul as well. The first apostles had three years with Christ. And Paul is telling the Galatians here that Paul had three years with Jesus Christ too. We know someone else went to Arabia to confer with God. Uh, his name was Moses. He went to Arabia to get the law at Sinai. Uh, Paul went to Arabia to get the gospel of grace. That's what he got from Arabia. Now, a few messages ago, we talked about the qualifications Peter lays out for apostles. 
in Acts 1. Uh, Peter says there are a few things necessary to be an apostle. Uh, he says you have to see the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. He says you have to be called or be ordained uh, by Christ. And you have to be discipled and taught by Christ. And in these verses here in Galatians, this is Paul's way of saying, hey, everyone, I'm fully qualified. You know, I've seen him. I saw it. I wasn't there at the start with the other, gospel, the other apostles, but I saw him on the Damascus Road. He called me and ordained me to this. And now I've been discipled by him for three years as well. He's like, I'm fully qualified, baby. He probably didn't say baby. I can't imagine that happening. But the point is the same. He is telling them he's fully qualified for his apostleship. Can you see that in the verses there? All right. So his his confirmation, what went down next in verse 18. Uh, After three years, he went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and he abode with him for 15 days. That means he lived with him for 15 days. Okay, now he's going uh, to hang out with the other apostles. Uh, it says he uh, abode with Peter for 15 days. The other apostles saw he none, save James, the Lord's brother. So he had a couple of weeks with Peter, uh, bumped into James, the Lord's brother. Verse 20, now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. Uh, But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorify God in me. You see that something very real and very dramatic happened on that road to Damascus. He has done a complete 180-degree turnaround in his life. He was on the way to Damascus. He had letters to go grab Christians, men and women, round them up and throw them in prison. Something happened there to completely turn it around because now he's preaching the very faith that his mission was to destroy. He used to hunt Christians. Now he is preaching Christ. And Paul claims that he is telling the truth and not lying about this radical change. I told you they were calling him liars, didn't they? They were calling him a liar. And he says, I am not lying. I am telling you the truth about this radical change in my life. And, and now he confirms it with them as well. He says, firstly, we see that Peter and James accepted Paul. He lived with Peter for 14 days and spent some time with James. This is very different to how the disciples received Paul uh, before this point, earlier in his life. Ananias in Acts 9 is a good example uh, where Ananias answers the Lord's call. He says, you've got to go and see Paul. And then Ananias says, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. He doesn't even want to go and see him. He's heard of all the evil. He's scared. Well, if I go and see Paul, I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to get rounded up and thrown in jail. Uh, But yet here is Paul living with Peter, the apostle, for 14 days. Uh, He's confirmed here um, by the other apostles. Secondly, uh, the churches in Judea are on record for rejoicing and resting because of Paul's conversion. They they find great joy in him. They, They glorify God because of Paul which is the complete opposite of what he was famous for in Acts 9, 1 to 2. 
You don't have to turn there, but listen to the same. I'm describing the same Paul here, the same person. It says, Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. It's the same guy. He's breathing out threatenings and slaughter. He's demanding letters so he can go. He doesn't care if they're men or women as long as he gets to tie them up and bring them back as prisoners to Jerusalem. Threatenings and slaughter is replaced with glorifying God. The, the apostles and the disciples were terrified of him. Now he's living with them for 14 days. He was hunting Christians now they're glorifying God because of him. And thirdly, this change in Paul is confirmed by the churches he established in Syria and Cilicia. They confirm his radical transformation. Uh, he used to persecute the church to destroy believers. Well, now he's planting churches to confirm and to edify them. Acts 15.41 tells us he went through Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches he's doing the complete opposite of what he was doing previously so we see these judaizers have come in after paul uh, they have perverted the gospel of christ that he preached they've called his very apostleship they've called his authority into question they've questioned his authority uh, by which he preaches this gospel they have attacked the gospel by attacking its teacher you see, how they went after the apostle, how they tried to undermine and discredit the uh, gospel was by undermining and discrediting Paul. Because they knew if they could discredit Paul, well, then they could discredit the gospel of grace as well. If they could show him up to be a fraud, well, then they knew they could show the gospel of grace up to be a fraud as well. And that's what they wanted because they were pushing their gospel of works. How Paul deals with this he defends himself in order to defend the gospel. So Paul's defense, I mean, this is what he's doing here. He's defending himself with these moments from his life. Now, we need to ask now, New Testament believers, 2023 in this church tonight, we need to ask now, why is he telling us all this information? Because there's a lot of information in these few verses. Why, he, why is he telling us all of this? Well, his radical conversion is the proof that he met Jesus Christ. His 180-degree turnaround is his evidence. Uh, he used to persecute the church. Now he is preaching Christ. He used to persecute the church. Now he's planting churches. And the other apostles and the churches, they confirm his 180-degree turnaround. So we need to think, why is he telling us all of this? Well, the answer, I believe, is that his radical conversion from persecutor to preacher, that is the evidence that he met Christ. Because how else could anyone account for the fact that he was traveling this way to Damascus to arrest Christians, and he comes back three years later and plants churches for them? I mean, what else could possibly account for that complete change in somebody's life? 
Uh, Paul is defending this true gospel against the false gospel of works. His enemies attack the gospel by attacking Paul because they know if we can discredit this guy, uh, we can discredit his gospel. So Paul uses his own life as the evidence against them. He defends the gospel uh, by defending himself. He's saying, hey, my life is proof. This is living proof that what I'm teaching is true. He puts up his testimony as evidence that his apostleship and his gospel are true. If Paul did not meet Jesus, then how can anyone explain his transformation? So I wonder for us, I wonder if we could put up our testimony as evidence for the truth of the gospel. Because when Paul met Christ, he was set free from religion. He was set free from that religion of works. You remember the traditions that he was so zealous for, that he strived for, that he taught for, that he advanced in, he profited in more than anybody. He was set free from a religion of works. He was set free from sin and self-righteousness. He was set free to a salvation of grace. He was set free from serving men. He was set free to serve Jesus Christ. His radical transformation proves this. Everyone could see it. The, the apostles could see it. The disciples could see it. All the churches, they could see it. Everyone had heard. When they looked at his life, they knew that this was God's intervention. I wonder if people see that when they look at our lives. Are other people around you, are they able to tell that you have met Jesus Christ? Now, God has given us a 180 degree turnaround in terms of our eternal position. Okay? We were dead in our sins, now we're alive unto God. That's a complete turnaround. Okay? We were lost, and now we're found. We were children of wrath and disobedience, uh, now we're sons of God. Uh, we were damned to be separated from him for eternity, and now we are destined to be with him for eternity. He's given us a 180 degree turnaround in our eternal position. But what about our daily condition? What about the lives we're living right now uh, down here? Many times, us Christians actually, we strive. What we want is to appear the same as we were before. Um, we, we don't want to be different. Right? We, want, we want to fit in. With, we want everything to be the same as it was before. We say things like, you know, Jesus is true, and I met him, and I gave my life to him, and he changed my destiny. I'm going to heaven. And my, kind of, my plan for that is I'm just going to kind of carry on living exactly as I was before. You know, he's, he's done all of this to me, but that's on the inside. Right? And what's on the outside is, does my life actually look any different since then? That, that is not... Uh, the picture. No, people should be able to tell that we have met Jesus Christ. Can people tell that we have been set free from religion? Can people tell that we have been set free from sin? Can people tell that we are set free to God's grace? Can people tell that we are set free from serving men? Can people tell that we are set free to serve Jesus Christ. What is your testimony? 
When was your Damascus Road? When did things really change? When was your 180 degree turning point? Could you put forward your life as the evidence that proves you have met Jesus Christ? Now, th this is the last thing I say tonight. The disciples, they went on to turn the world upside down, didn't they? That, that was the accusation that was laid at them in Acts 17.6. They said, these are the guys that have turned the world upside down, upside down. Now, before God did that in the lives of the people around them, he did that in their own lives first. Has he done that in your life? Has he made that 180 degree turnaround in your life? And if not, will you let him? All right, let's pray, shall we? We hope you found that an encouragement today. Join us next week for another message or you can check out our website, crossroadslondon.org.